All right, let's dive into this latest episode of Outlander. I'm Carson. Thanks so much for being a part of Talk About Lander on Twitter at Talk About Lander. You can also find me through Facebook, Instagram, my own Twitter account. It's Carson on Air. That's C A R S E N. Now, initially, the title for this episode was Turtle Soup, which. Yeah, when we saw it come up on IMDb, everybody was like, yes, finally, we're going to get to that scene. And I'll be honest with you, I am not, uh, I've, I'm have i reading the books after the season is finished, so I've not read Voyager yet. But Turtle Soup is so iconic. It's posted on like every Outlander fan site has a transcript. So yes, I have read that scene. And uh, yeah, it definitely lives up to the hype. But let's rewind. Let's dive on back into hashtag Uncharted, which we see the turtle right there at the end of the opening credits. But that's... That's at the end. Uncharted, interestingly, it's really what this episode is all about. And when I think I've stumbled on the themes for the episode, whether it's Echoes or we're talking about uh, last week, Claire was all about that compartmentalizing and that really went so far as a metaphor for the episode. Well, it's interesting that they actually used Uncharted as the title because, yes, this episode is all about uncharted territory, both literally and metaphorically. So Claire is in the water when we find her. She has survived the jump off the boat. She makes her way to land. But the question is... Where is she? And in typical Claire fashion, hearkening back to last week's compartmentalizing, she takes it one step at a time. She's drying out the clothes. She talks about the rule of three. Three minutes for air, three days for water, and three weeks for food, what the human needs to survive. So she is putting it all together one thing at a time. Right now, it's about building the shelter or in her case, just stretching out her skirt on top, uh, finding the water. That's what it's all about. What's interesting to me, though, um, is when she looks at her ring, very specifically, here she is on, so far, is a deserted island. She knows there's got to be inhabitants somewhere. But she looks down at her ring, which in the chaos of everything that she's going through, trying to barrel through this barren landscape and then finding her way into the jungle, she looks down at the ring, which... Shows how far we've come from just three episodes ago where she was ready to pack up and leave because she found out about Leary. And I think that speaks volumes about the next 10 to 12 minutes of the episode with her going through the beach terrain and then finding herself in the jungle that we really needed Claire to we we needed to see the physicality of her survival for Jamie, her her passion, her that that Jamie is, uh, you know, she's talking about three minutes with air, three days with water. Like Jamie is one of those elements that she needs to survive. They are that important to each other. And so she's making her way through the beach. She manages to figure out how to build herself a fire, getting rid of the bum roll, which There were two things that I loved about this. Number one, Claire building the fire, I thought was a great callback to earlier this season when she couldn't figure out how to get the stupid oven working in the 1940s. So instead, she built herself a fire to cook dinner for her and Frank. Well, now here we are. She needs those fire making skills again, like the good little Girl Scout I imagine her to be. And... We burn the bum roll, which is still a part of civilization. 
If you follow Terry Dresbeck on Twitter, Outlander Costume, she talks a lot about Claire's Batsuit and how peeling off the layers is a lot of her mental and emotional journey, getting back to Jamie, getting back to this time. And I think burning the bum roll was like the final thing that we had to let go of, something that she definitely would have needed in the streets of Scotland. But here, whether she was on a ship or on this island, like things are way looser because the climate absolutely dictates that. Now, when Claire wakes up in what might be the grossest scene I've ever... I, I'm trying to think of a horror movie that is worse than this. I'm trying to think of something that has grossed me out as bad than the fire ants all over Claire's legs. Like We see the ants on legs. And it's... How many of you, hands up, like we're all sitting on our couches going, oh my God, no, no, no. I got the all over body chills. It was just, oh my God, so foul. But Claire, Claire knows she has to keep going and she makes her way into the jungle. What I love about this scene, again, it's such a great metaphor that Claire was a trailblazer in the 20th century, being one of the first women admitted to Harvard Medical School, becoming one of the first female doctors with the actual doctor in front of her title. Well, now she's back in the 1700s and she's literally blazing a trail for her future because she's blazing a trail to get to whatever sort of people are on this island so she can get to Jamie, ensuring that her future is what she wants. So we get through part of the jungle. She lays down to go to sleep. And like after the ants, would you not maybe look at like trying to climb a tree? I get it. Like coconut trees, they don't look easy to climb, but there's got to be somewhere that she can elevate because, oh, look, she wakes up and there's a snake, which... I'm trying to look into it for the Adam and Eve metaphor and the imagery, but you know what? I'm just going to leave that one alone, and I'm still reeling over the ants. As Claire's kind of losing consciousness, as she's losing strength, we come across the skeleton of a gator or a crocodile, I don't know which, which seems a little bit far inland, but it kind of made me think of her rule of threes, that there's been fire ants, there has been a snake, now here's a gator. Like, is that is that what's happening here? That she's going to have to go through these trials? Like, girl, is she Hercules? Like, what the heck? She falls over, here comes a dog, there's a dude preaching, I don't see people, but he's preaching to someone and she wakes up and she's tied to a bed, which we find out is for her own good. Mama Sita says it's to stop her from scratching. So thankfully, it doesn't seem that anybody's looking to harm her at this point. What does concern me, though, is when Mama Sita notices the zipper, because what can she be thinking with that undergarment? And we don't really get the chance to explore that. Maybe she just thinks that, you know, she's from a different part of the world. We haven't really heard too much from Claire speak. When Father Fogden comes in and notices she's an English woman, there could have been more questions, but I'm assuming they did not have a conversation about her undergarments. What I did notice, the rule of three comes into play again when she's talking about having to get off the island and get to Jamaica one day to the village and then two days at sea in order to get to Kingston. One, two, three. Whether or not that's something they're planning for or I'm looking too hard, but it's Outlander. We know how good they are at this stuff. Uh, So Father Fogden seems, you know, pretty normal until he starts talking to the coconut and he calls the coconut Coco, which... I, y'all, I, for as much as I like to think I'm insightful, like I'm really not. I watch something, I take it at face value. But when I was writing down Coco and then the coconut, 
Oh, it's Coco the Coco Nut. Okay, that's adorable and also really not creative on Father Fogden's part. <laughs> what I love here, though, is more about the Uncharted, about Claire trying to maneuver her way through. She's physically gone through the beach. She's physically gone through the jungle. Now she is trying to navigate her way through a guy that talks to coconuts like he's Tom Hanks talking to a volleyball. So she's playing the poker face. She's trying to really keep herself in check because she's got to deal with this guy who talks to a coconut for advice. Um, They sit down at the table. They're eating. Obviously, Mama Sita doesn't like her. And that's where she finds out Father Fogden's backstory, which is an interesting foreshadowing of her and Jamie. When you talk about a good stroke of luck, the English invading Cuba. That's what made it possible for him to escape with the love of his life. Well, I think we're going to find a good stroke of luck coming a little bit further in the episode. Again, foreshadowing Claire and Jamie's reunion. Uh, calling back, though, going back a few episodes, here's Mama Sita calling Claire a whore. Hey, look at you. You and Marsley would get along great. This poor girl, like she's just trying to play nice. Claire is really subscribing to I'm going to catch more flies with honey, which is making me think of ants again. But she realizes she's got to play nice with Father Fogden in order to get out of there. What what did help them, though, was the common ground about Father Fogden saying he could not forget about his wife. Doesn't matter that Claire's there. It's something that she can absolutely connect to because of Jamie. And that's where she's finally found her way that she can navigate this uncharted territory. It's all about getting on that same level when it comes to love. And yet, this dope fiend still needs to consult with a coconut first thing in the morning. Now, Mama Sita brings her the fresh clothes, obviously wants Claire out of there, doesn't mention anything about the zipper. And Claire, very smartly, decides to talk to the coconut to make a big show out of it. So Coco seems to have given the blessing that they should be leaving. But then Mama Sita screams and, oh my gosh, there's something about, there's a goat head. But we do know that she says something about a Chinaman. And now Claire can't understand whatever language they're speaking, but we can because we have the subtitles and oh my gosh, how many other Chinese guys are going to be rolling around the ocean right where the, she's got to go and and thankfully they get it all figured out, but not before we hear about those bugs, the bugs that come from a cave in Jamaica specifically called a bandaway which harkens back to the episode where we saw the poor sister who was going to the West Indies and everybody thought she was crazy and that she she might be a seer, but Claire was trying to make sure that she got off her medication. She mentioned a band away. Does that have something to do with the next two episodes? It's Outlander. Of course it does. What is heading in our direction when it comes to a band away? Well, that one, probably not going to find out right now. So they send Claire off in the direction of the ship, and that's where we find out that the Artemis has had their big old mast break, so they've got to come up on shore to get it fixed. And we see Jamie and Fergus talking about untold dangers in the ocean. Yeah, No kidding. What's lucky, though, they do mention that they say they're lucky that only the foremast fell. It's actually totally lucky that the foremast fell because now they're going to find Claire. But he doesn't know that yet. What we do find out, though, is that Jamie gets the captain's quarters. By the way, run, Claire, run. 
Um, we've already talked about Tom Hanks and Castaway. Now we're talking Forrest Gump, Tom Hanks. Just keep running, Claire. You've got to get to Jamie. And again, even though I haven't read the books, I certainly have been on enough of the sites. I know what's going to happen. We know that Jamie and Claire are going to be reunited. And yet this is why the show's so good. I was still anxious. I was stressed. Like, I, I'm telling myself literally, you know they're going to get together. You know they're going to find each other. You know it's fine. And yet... I really was caught up in the moment. My blood was racing, hoping that she was going to make there to make it there in time. And that's when Claire pulls out that typical Claire badass trick. She uses the mirror to single Jamie, which can we sidebar for a second? I don't know if y'all, any of you ever read The Babysitter's Club growing up, but they did the super specials. They would do like individual, like kind of took place in their own little couple of weeks. And there was one where I think Claudia and Dawn get shipwrecked with a bunch of kids on a little island just off the coast of Connecticut, and they end up using a mirror to signal a search party. And ever since then, I've always known if I get stranded on a deserted island, it is all about the mirror. So apparently, Claire, all right, the babysitter's club wasn't around for her yet, but but hey, it's stuck in my list of survival skills. So Jamie figures out it's Claire, they get back, and... You have got a black hole where your heart is if you did not cry at them running at each other on the beach. I really, I was stressed whether or not they were going to get together. And then that moment of relief and they're running toward each other. I did. I just, I sat there on my couch bawling. I There's just nobody more romantic than these two and them in each other's arms that, uh, look, the turtle soup scene is great, but that might have been the highlight of the episode for me. Just after the line, talking about, you know, that McDo's wife just drops in out of nowhere. She turns up in the just strangest places. Y'all are not wrong. You're actually pretty observant fellas, despite how drunk you must be. Uh, Claire, interestingly, is getting surgery on her arm, courtesy of Willoughby. And what I like, I first time I watched it, I was like... Jamie's being really nonchalant about this. Like, this is the guy who said he couldn't bear to see her in pain. He was almost like, hey, I I don't want you to go through childbirth because you in pain would absolutely kill me. Well, like, you're watching a guy stick her with needles. And then I start watching the whiskey. All right. Yeah. Jamie is Jamie is pounding it on back. And he tells Claire that, you know, he's given the permission for Fergus and Marsley. They've got his blessing. And that's where we look at this. We've got a priest right here on the island and in more uncharted territory, we've got to make an apology to him. Willoughby has got to say, hey, I don't know the cultures. I'm so sorry. I ate your precious goat. And it's all smoothed over, which I thought was very cool. And we get to the wedding scene with Marsali and Fergus, which is adorable and funny. And do you remember back in the very, very first episode of Outlander, like ever, 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 They talk about Claire having a bit of a mouth on her. Well, Marsley isn't doing much better, which makes me think that that scene with the two of them uh, talking about how not to get pregnant and that Marsley actually admits maybe you're not the devil after all, that there is going to be a relationship charted out here. I mean, that's also uncharted water. You're you're the woman that for all intents and purposes broke up Marsali's mother and her father's marriage. Although we know she didn't, but I get it from her point of view. So the wedding is adorable. They bless Claire and Jamie's union. And we end up back on the ship. Who loves drunk Claire? 
Drunk Claire is probably my favorite. She is wasted on turtle soup because the amount of sherry in it. And she's going to give herself an injection because Jamie just can't bear to hurt her yet again. And he's, again, he's just like, they really have made Jamie Fraser this perfect man. He does have his faults. We've seen them as we've gone along. There are the obstacles that they've had to get over with the 20 years they've been apart and things that have happened. But really, he can't bear to hurt her. He doesn't want to take advantage of her while she's drunk and she's burning up. She has a fever. But finally, he has to acquiesce because uh, Claire does not really give him a choice. And it's just it's an iconic scene in the book. And it was something that was played out so Adorably. I'm not sure. I think the book, from what I've seen online, people are um, people are saying that it was kind of a PG-13 version, that the book might have been a little bit more in detail, that it seemed there was a lot more. But I really enjoyed seeing playful Claire and Jamie back. That's something that, like, I feel like we were missing that in France. Uh, I mean, it wasn't until we got back to Scotland at the end of season two that I felt like they were kind of back in that camaraderie, really enjoying each other. And we certainly haven't seen a lot of it this season. So it was really a breath of fresh air. And it, it was wonderful for them to be so adorable. And also a throwback to the wedding episode because, well, remember... Jamie and the horses. Yeah, I know that. I just the whole thing just made me smile. And when Willie B walks away and we go to the credits, I just went, oh, <laughs> I think that we all did. Whatever you thought about the episode, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Talk About Lander. You can also hit me up on Facebook and Instagram and my other Twitter account. It's Carson on Air. That's C-A-R-S-E-N. Thank you so much for being a part of Talk About Lander because, hey, we're all in this obsession together. Can't wait to do it again next week.